Hello, I'm Lucy. And I'm Michelle. Welcome to a special episode of Tudoriferous, the biographical podcast that examines lives in the Tudor era. And today, a special episode torn between two fathers. Poor Catherine. Yes. <laughs> and no quiz, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Well, we saw in Ferdinand's episode how he had Henry dangling from a piece of string over Perkin. Yes, and we have spoken about how horrible Henry was to Catherine when we didn't have that much detail. So now I'm really interested to find out what you ended up with. Well, now we've got a lot of detail. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to the good old calendar rolls. And here we see that dangling was a reciprocal sport. Oh, no. Henry was not averse to dangling Ferdinand. Especially if there was money involved. Right. Okay. Yeah, I find that the dynamics between these two men is quite fascinating. (laughs) They're they're quite similar in many ways, I think. Okay. Which is probably why they couldn't stand each other. (laughs) So 14th of March, 1489. Henry has only been on the throne for four years. A group of English envoys arrived in Medina del Campo to discuss a possible marriage between three-year-old Catherine of Aragon and two-year-old Arthur, Prince of Wales. And the ambassadors were Dr Thomas Savage, the future Archbishop of York. I don't feel an Archbishop ought to be called Savage, or you bet, anyway. No. <laughs> and Sir Richard Nanfan. <gasps> Nanfan! Nanfan. Along with their herald, Roger Machado. Aw, it sounds like such a letdown when you get to him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the reasons I mentioned him was because he's a really interesting character and I'd like to do a cameo about him. So I thought I'll put his name in here and then we could do a cameo about him. (laughs) Okay. There were parties, Machado reported, until two in the morning. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Mm, That sounds like the sort of person he is. I like parties, but I want to be in bed at two in the morning. I want to be nice and cozy. I want to be in bed by ten at a party. (laughs) On the 27th of March, the treaty was signed between the two countries. Ferdinand was there, but our reports come from Machado, who seems to be obsessed with clothes and the cost of jewellery, so had very little to say about Ferdinand, or indeed any of the men. Really? (laughs) Yes, he seems to be uh, rather more interested in what the ladies were up to and wearing. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Whereas the men were dripping with jewels as well, weren't they? Yes. So why were Ferdinand and Isabella so keen to have this alliance, which, on the face of it, doesn't seem to help them very much? Ferdinand and Isabella were secure on their throne, but Henry VII still had one or two pretenders lurking about. They couldn't even be sure that Henry would be on the throne for much longer. Isabella wanted revenge for how she was treated when the French ambassadors came to ask her to marry into France. Uh And they were downright offensive, according to her. Right. So now she was getting her own back by siding with England. And Ferdinand was having ongoing skirmishes with the French on his borders. And as you said in Isabella's episode, Ferdinand and Isabella wanted the English link to help them prevent the French invasion of Italy by using English longbowmen. Yes. Yes. And we had our uses. But the Spanish were shocked at how much Henry was asking. Because he was meant to be coming cap in hand to the superior force right. of Spain. And yet here he was negotiating as if he were the main protagonist. <laughs> well, you do want my longbowmen. Hmm. It is fair. You should be coming to me, not the other way around. Yes. Yes. I don't think that's how they saw it. Catherine was chosen to marry Arthur rather than her other sisters because she was the youngest. 
Ferdinand and Isabella wanted links with England, but they wouldn't have wanted Catherine to become Queen of Castile and or Aragon and for Arthur to have become the king. That would have been a step too far. Yeah. They wanted links with England, but they didn't want England getting ideas above its station. <laughs> 1496, date of finalisation of wedding plans after years of negotiations. Mm -hmm. And I'd use the word finalisation in inverted commas here because these things never, never seem to be finished. No. They had both had to make concessions. Henry joined the Holy League, not only because Ferdinand threatened him with the Pope, as we saw in his episode, saying that Popes have brought other kings down, so watch it. Yeah. But also because he was afraid that Ferdinand and Isabella would pull the plug on the Catherine and Arthur wedding. So he was he was very keen to have this wedding, but he also felt that he didn't have to roll over and have his tummy tickled. He could. Yeah, and he I'm had, still he had something to offer too. Why doesn't he go after some? Well, there aren't really any girls of appropriate age that are from royal families, dukes and duchesses right now. I don't know. I'm just wondering why he's so fixated specifically on Spain. Because, yes, Spain's a power, but... I think, I was going to say we will hear, but I think we probably will already have heard. <laughs> these things are very complicated because we're not sure <laughs> yes. when these things are going out. But I think the Henry and Love episode will have gone out before this one. Okay. The one on Valentine's Day. And that will explain a lot of what Henry's bigger... He, Henry had a bigger picture Okay. with, with the weddings. Okay. 1497, and Catherine had not left Spain yet, despite the fact that expensive and magnificent and expensive <laughs> celebrations were planned in London. The delay was partly due to Isabella not wanting to let go of her youngest child. Yes. Which is understandable. Probably she's worrying about empty nest syndrome. Especially since she already took them absolutely everywhere, including into battle with her. You mm. wouldn't want to be parted after all that. And she wasn't feeling well already. And also empty nest syndrome it was a serious thing because you're not going to see them again, probably. Yes, ever. Mm. There was a good possibility you would never see them again. It's not as if they're coming back the next weekend with their washing. I mean, they're just <laughs> not coming back, are they? <laughs> the other reason for the delay was that Ferdinand had had another look at that treaty and he reckoned that Henry had deceived him about the dowry. Oh? Yeah, there was some pretty bitchy correspondence zapped to and fro after this. Oh. And it got so bad that it looked as if the marriage might be off. In the year 1500, when Henry had a meeting with Philip the Fair, it was suspected by the Spanish that Henry intended to marry Prince Arthur to Margaret of Austria, whose first husband, Juan, had just died. Yes. Or second husband, depending on how you view her marriage to Charles VIII. Yeah, no, not married to Charles no. VIII. No, I didn't think so. Poor girl, but from the sounds of it, from the descriptions I got of their wedding, her and Juan, they were truly in love, which is rare, so she might have lucked out with that even if she was only happy for a year or two. Yeah, it didn't last long, did no. it? It seems that the ones the ones that oh, they're really miserable go on for years yes. and years, don't they? <laughs> hmm. To put their mind at rest on the subject, Ferdinand and Isabella sent Gutierre Gomez de Fuenzalida, Fuenzalida to Calais. And more on Fuenzalida later. Yes. In his dispatch of the 29th of June 1500, the ambassador described how greatly he was mortified during his journey on hearing everywhere that the marriage had already taken place. It must be hard with rumours. Because it's really, it'd take a really long time to get 
confirmation or denials from the source. Mm. And can you trust it even when you've got yeah, it? No, yes. no, you couldn't. Mm. We know how devious everyone is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, on his arrival at Calais, he found the rumours were false. And Margaret had only left Spain in March of that year, so I wondered if that might have been one of the reasons why Isabella hung on to her for so long. Because Margaret stayed several months after the death of her stillborn child. Yes, Isabella didn't want to let her go. She had fallen in love with her. I think she was fond of her. But also, were they... Was Isabella and Ferdinand worrying about what Henry the Seventh oh, was up to? Oh, right. Who knows? Because we got to look into their minds, yeah. really, didn't we? Ferdinand and Isabella were still postponing Catherine's departure, and that was partly because Isabella was loath to part with her child, but also they'd been told by Don Pedro de Ayala hmm. that the court of Henry the Seventh was no fit place <laughs> for a young princess. <laughs> it probably wasn't, but that was largely due to the fact that Don Pedro de Ayala was there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> On the other hand, he said, maybe they shouldn't delay her departure because if she remained longer in Spain, she would always remember the happier life she'd led there and be miserable for oh, the rest of her days. Which is true, but... <laughs> yes, I get the distinct impression that although De Ayala may have preferred England to Scotland, he didn't have a very high opinion of either of them, did he? <laughs> <laughs> at last, on Sunday the 2nd of October at three in the afternoon, Catherine entered the harbour of Plymouth, and that's in Devon down mm -hmm. southwest of England. Directly on leaving the ship, she went to Mass. And it had been quite an unnerving crossing, so she may have wanted to give thanks yes. that she got there at all. Well, the reason they... horrendous one. Yeah, well, they landed in the wrong city because of the weather. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, it took Henry and yes. Arthur, I surprised, <laughs> I think, that she ended up in Plymouth. The licentiate... Licentiate? Alcaraz who accompanied her, wrote to Isabella that, quote, the princess could not have been received with greater rejoicings had she been the saviour of the world, nice. unquote. Question. What's a licentiate? Hmm. I'm not sure. I've never heard that term. Oh, well, that's not helpful. Oh. It's the holder of a certificate of a competence to practice a certain profession. Hmm. That's it. That's all it says. <laughs> Oh, well, he was one of those, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one says, in Europe, it is an academic degree present in many countries representing different educational levels, so it would be similar to a master's degree. Hmm. Okay. Might have meant something different then. Things often did. Mm -hmm. This was two years after the time that Catherine was meant to get to England. Yes. Everything in this saga takes ages. I sure hope you aren't impatient. Well, she learnt patience. <laughs> well, that's just it. Nowadays, we we get what we want so quickly. That Could you imagine waiting two years for something? Depends if she wanted to go. She might have been happy at home. Oh, Especially with yeah. Diela saying, it's, it's hell here. Yes. Stay there. Yes. Good point. When Henry VII knew she'd arrived, he wrote to Catherine apologising that he couldn't come and meet her because she'd ended up in the wrong place. But begging her to consider him, quote henceforth as your good and loving father, as familiarly as you would do the king and queen your parents, unquote. He said he was, quote, determined to treat, receive and favour you like our own daughter and in no wise more or less dearly than any of our own children, unquote. So there you go. Part Everything's peachy. Yeah, part of me thinks that's diplomatic speech. And then the other oh, part yeah. of me thinks because he was considered a doting father, he kept his kids closer than most monarchs did. 
that maybe he... There might have been a reason for that. Oh. <laughs> okay. There's always a reason. Yeah, probably. These things you think, well, that's nice, and then you then you read more into it, and you think, oh, all right. Yeah, but at the same time, he and his wife actually loved each other. That seems to be based on that one occasion when Arthur dies, doesn't it? That I'm not sure. No. Is there any other? There's no mistresses. No mistresses, no. Maybe he just wasn't a particularly highly sexed man. Mm, possibly. Maybe he didn't see anyone who took his fancy. I don't know. Also, he was suffering from tuberculosis for most of his later life, wasn't he? So he might not have felt up to it. Yeah. I don't know. No. There have been some correspondence between Henry VII and Isabella about the size of Catherine's retinue. Henry was keen it should be, quote, as small a number as possible, unquote. He was keen that she should have a largely English retinue since it would be cheaper in the long run. <laughs> but he agreed that Catherine should have some of her own ladies, and they should be, quote, of gentle birth and beautiful. Or at least none of them should be ugly, unquote. <laughs> he didn't like ugliness, did no, he? No, he did not. <laughs> Catherine had no idea how tight-fisted her parents had been on the matter of the dowry. The dowry was to be 200,000 crowns in all, and Ferdinand and Isabella wanted a percentage of the dowry to be, quote, in ornament and apparel for the person and the household of the Infanta, unquote. De Puebla was told to try for half, but if, he, if that didn't work, he could go down to a quarter. Wow. So they were willing to pay, if they had to, three quarters of it in cold, hard cash, but they really only wanted to pay half. Wow. Wow. Hmm? Yes, you can see both sides these arguments that they neither of them did, did themselves any favors I don't no think. and all I keep thinking is Castile and Aragon at this point are already starting to get gold from the new world hmm hmm Henry agreed that the dowry could be played in installments okay because he obviously hadn't realized just how recalcitrant Ferdinand would prove to be yes yeah he should have got it all up front mm -hmm. saved a lot of trouble Anyway, Henry VII and Arthur headed down to Hampshire to meet Catherine, but they were met by De Ayala, who told them that there was no way that they were going to be allowed to see Catherine. Giggling when he's saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be any explanation for this. It, it wasn't a Spanish tradition, because Juana had seen Philip before the wedding, and Margaret had seen Juan. Right. Oh. And certainly Henry VII wasn't having it. I never clued <laughs> into that. So Henry rode down to Dorgamus Field, where Catherine was staying, leaving Arthur behind. And I wonder if he left Arthur in case he, you know, Henry, decided that Catherine was unsuitable for him. Oh. And he didn't want a lovesick Arthur oh, pleading, no. pleading with him to let him marry him. Oh, I wonder if that was a possibility. That at the very end he could say, no, don't want her. Yes, I did wonder about that. And I thought, what a, that's one of those little interesting quirks of history that you think, what would have happened if he had said, nah, take her back. Yeah. No, I don't know. She's, she's ugly. don't want her. Yeah. Anyway, Catherine's attendants were horrified to see him and told him that there was no way that he could visit her. She was resting. And Henry said that he would see her in bed if they didn't bring her out. <laughs> but why was he so insistent? Yes. Did, did he suspect that there was a trick on Ferdinand and Isabella's part? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he might have thought, you know, they've, they've messed me around this much. Yes. 
Anyway, Catherine very sensibly came out and met Henry, and he seemed to be perfectly satisfied with her. So that's nice. Yes. And saved a lot of trouble, really. <laughs> 14th November, 1501. On the day of the wedding, half of the dowry was handed over in cash. And I hope that was done discreetly. It wasn't done at the altar. Oh, gosh, could you imagine? <laughs> the other half was due in two further instalments. The first within six months of the marriage and the rest to be paid partly in cash, partly in jewels and plate that Catherine had brought with her within a year. And sadly, after all that preparation and haggling and the huge, huge expense of the celebrations in London, the marriage was not destined to last long. No. 2nd of April, 1502, Prince Arthur died. And when Henry and Elizabeth heard the news, they did their best to comfort each other. Which mainly consisted of telling each other, we can have another one, which almost seems a bit... Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. British History Online, which seems to have no great love for Henry, says, quote, Scarcely had his tears time to dry when he began to act in an avaricious and unkingly manner respecting money matters <laughs> and showing a most ungenerous harshness towards the young Princess of Wales, whom he had hitherto always proclaimed to be his beloved daughter, unquote. And it goes on to say that she was not even removed from the infected place where Prince Arthur had died. She was ill herself, wasn't she? Yes, she, she was. She was suffering from the same thing, so perhaps she was too ill to move. Yeah. It might not, not just be that Henry was too mean to to make to get her out. Yes, and it, it killed Arthur. Moving her yeah, might so, have been fatal to her. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a major illness. Yeah. When the news of Arthur's death reached Ferdinand and Isabella, they immediately sent Fernando, Duke of Estrada, to England as their ambassador. Because Ferdinand does seem to have held the view that you can't have too many ambassadors. <laughs> it just You can't move in the English court for Spanish ambassadors. And Estrada received two commissions, both dated on the 10th of May, 1502. By the first, he was commanded, one, to reclaim from the king of 100,000 scudos that had been paid as an instalment of the marriage portion of the princess. Two, to demand that the king of England should deliver to Catherine the towns, manors, lands, etc. that had been signed to her dower. Three, to beg Henry to send the Princess of Wales to Spain in the best manner and in the shortest time possible. And four, to superintend himself, if necessary, the preparation for her departure. But his second commission, which if you remember, he was given on the same day, <laughs> he was authorised to conclude a marriage between Catherine and Prince Henry. You know, quick, nap the other yeah, one. So it's either she comes home or she is married. Those are the two choices. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that he was given them as two separate commissions. So yes. I think it's just when you get there, find out what's going on and use one of these. Mm -hmm. The ambassadors were even told to pretend that they were getting Catherine ready to leave. Right, we're off now. Just going. <laughs> just going. This is your last chance. <laughs> Jeez. Not very subtle, are they? No, it sounds like when you're dealing with a recalcitrant two-year-old that's refusing to get yes. ready. Okay, you're staying here then. We're leaving. And you close the door yes. and wait for them leaving to go. Leaving now. <laughs> they don't do that. They carry on screaming. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ferdinand and Isabella sent a stream of urgent dispatches to De Puebla saying that they were sure Henry would fulfil all his obligations to Catherine, right. including giving her her dower lands. He wouldn't possibly break his word, especially while Catherine was grieving and had been so ill. 
and the vehemence with which they wrote this and the number of letters they sent implied that they didn't think anything of the sort. No. They didn't trust Henry at all. It's not an arrangement built on trust, this thing, is it? No, not at all. But Isabella had known what she was doing. Henry, panicked by all the talk of sending Catherine back to Spain, made overtures through de Puebla for the marriage between Catherine and Prince Henry and even agreed to the conditions regarding the dower. Really? But, yeah, in theory. I mean, you can agree to things, can't you, without actually doing them? (laughs) But the negotiations dragged on and on. Arthur had died five months into the marriage, so Ferdinand and Isabella withheld the second payment since it was due after six months. Because you can imagine them hearing of Arthur's death and saying to each other, oh, that's very sad, isn't it? Poor Henry and Elizabeth, and do you remember how sad we were when our son died? And uh, still, five months, eh? Hmm. Oh, me too. Silver (laughs) linings. Oh, that's just cringeworthy. Not only did they withhold the second payment, but they wanted the first payment back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're really sorry to hear about your husband. Now get that money back. Yes. Ah, I think. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of wrangling goes on when these marriages aren't very long, are they? I think about Bess of Hardwick. Oh, yes. She had to battle to get the money back, didn't she? Mm -hmm. She won. Oh, and and Mary, Queen of Scots as well. Her marriage in France didn't last very long. Yes, it didn't. The De Aela didn't hold out much hope that Ferdinand and Isabella would get the money back. Quote, if gold coin once enters his, that's Henry's, strong boxes, it never comes out again, unquote. Hmm. Mm. Not true. Look at how much he gave Maximilian. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think it depends. It depends whether he wants to. He obviously doesn't want to give his money back, so yes. it's not coming out of that box. Ferdinand and Isabella kept on at Henry. Either return the money or sort out the marriage between Catherine and Prince Henry. But Henry VII wasn't going to be hurried. In fact, they weren't getting anywhere with him at all. He'd been so keen for Catherine to marry Arthur... But now he was dragging his feet over the marriage to Prince Henry. Yes, I didn't understand that personally. Well, yeah, what was the reason for the change? In the years since Catherine had first been betrothed to Arthur, the tables had turned. Then Henry had needed Spain to bolster his rather shaky claim to the throne. Yes. And now Ferdinand and Isabella needed him in their battle with Louis XII for Naples. Ah. Henry felt more secure on the throne. Perkin was dead... Edward Plantagenet was dead. Simnel was working in the kitchen, or possibly as a falconer by this point. Yes. More to the point, Ralph Wilford was dead. Edmund de la Pole was still at large, but the king was still more secure. He was no longer some sort of fly-by-night newcomer. Right. He'd been there a while. Yes. He was rich. People were used to him being there. (laughs) And the Edmund de la Pole issue may have been pushing him away from the Spanish alliance, since it would surely make more sense to make his territorial links with Philip or Maximilian. Yeah. Since they were the ones harbouring Edmund. Whatever he decided to do, Henry wanted time to weigh up the options. Also, Elizabeth of York died Mm. around this time, so his attention may have been elsewhere. (sighs) As soon as the Queen was dead, Henry changed his plans. In the very same letter, which announced the death of Elizabeth to Isabella... Henry said, Anywho, on a lighter note, I want to marry your daughter myself. 
there was a reason for Henry's bizarre plan to marry Catherine, which we saw, stroke, we'll see in the Henry and Love episode, depending on whether it comes before or after this. Yeah. And Isabella was none too keen, and he was forced to drop the idea. I, that's... Mm. I don't like that idea. You're marrying your son's widow. It's not comfortable. It's not right, is it? No. No. I know why he did it. We'll find out in the Henry and Love episode, but yeah, it's a bit ugh, isn't it? Gross. Mm. By June 1503, Henry signed a treaty to the effect that the wedding would go ahead between Catherine and Prince Henry. But he gave himself a bit of leeway since he said it would have to wait until Prince Henry was 15, two years away. Okay. But this treaty was flawed and some say deliberately so by Henry, so he could get out of it if he chose. Flawed in what way? Well, it's it's this consummation thing oh, again. Oh, yes. <laughs> the treaty said that Catherine's marriage to Arthur, quote, was solemnised according to the rites of the Catholic Church and afterward consummated, unquote. Ferdinand and Isabella did not agree. Okay. They were sure the union had not been consummated. And I'm saying that, Henry was sure it had, and Ferdinand and Isabella were sure it hadn't. We don't know for sure how much either actually believed in the stance they were taking. Right, it's diplomatic. It was just beneficial, yeah, yeah beneficial for each to, to go to, to take that side. Yes. Ferdinand, writing to the Pope about Catherine's marriage, said, quote, In one part of the dispensation, it says that the marriage between our daughter, Donna Caterina, and the now, I love this word, the now defunct Prince of Wales, oh. <laughs> was consummated. But the truth is that it was not, and the princess remains as whole as she was before the marriage, as is well known, unquote. And he, he said that the English had added the bit about the consummation to prevent any further arguments about legitimacy. Okay. And Ferdinand wanted everyone to believe that so that there'd be no difficulties about her now marrying Prince Henry. Yes. It's interesting that Her Henry was saying it was consummated, though, because if he did, then she is entitled to the dower lands. Well, yeah, it is money, though. That's his side. If the marriage had been consummated, Ferdinand and Isabella would have to pay up the rest of the 100,000 right. crowns. which is probably worth more than the dower lands. Yes, right. and that's before before Henry would have to give her her dower. So he's win-win. He's Either he gets 100,000 crowns... Or he keeps or the dower he lands. doesn't have to give her the dower, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's quite canny, is our mm -hmm. Henry. However, December 1503, when the papal bull came through, the wording had changed to, quote, perhaps consummated, un unquote, which is not very helpful. No, and that sets up Henry VIII to make some claims later. Well, don't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. As far as Ferdinand and Isabella were concerned, the money they had already paid would now be the first payment of the dowry for her marriage to Prince Henry. Okay. It seems fair enough, I suppose. Mm -hmm. The rest would be paid as originally planned. Catherine should agree to give up the widow's jointure, provided Prince Henry should settle the same sum on her when they were married. So that's fine. Finance is all sorted. Okay. But Henry VII was in no hurry at all. Prince Henry was very young. The king could afford to hedge his bets. And by the autumn, Ferdinand and Isabella were telling de Puebla not to mention this French angle in the negotiations, the business with Louis and Naples. They'd get the marriage in the bag and then start on at Henry about joining them against France. Okay. Just, okay. just don't muddy the waters. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. 
Henry the Seventh, couldn't it be nicer to Catherine? He brought her to court. She stayed at Richmond and Windsor. Unfortunately, she was frequently ill. But Henry provided for her throughout her illnesses and sent her letters to comfort her and doctors to make her better. And he, quote, rejoices to hear that she is recovered, unquote. Yay! <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> what a lovely man. <laughs> On the 26th November, 1504, Isabella died. I don't know how long it took for Catherine to realise what a difference her mother's death would make to her, Catherine's, political worth as a marriage alliance. Because okay. as the daughter of the monarchs of Castile and Aragon, she was a great asset. Yes. As the daughter of the King of Aragon, she was considerably yes. less so. Yes, she was. Oh, poor woman. Yes. What girl, really. Yeah. Henry VII couldn't afford to use up his only son on an unprofitable alliance. He could find someone more useful. Is there someone more useful? Is there, though? That's the question. I suppose there's Margaret of Austria... She's still up for grabs, isn't she? Yes, true. Or is she? She might have married... I can't remember what the second one was. Oh. I think the third one was Philibert. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if she's married right now either. By the end of 1505, Henry had had enough of Ferdinand. Well, he'd had enough of him quite a, quite a long time before <laughs> that. But the second part of the diary still hadn't been paid. Henry VII was thinking of looking elsewhere. Poor dear Puebla bore the brunt of what came next. He was called to meet the king, and when he got there, he discovered it was just the two of them. And Henry was in a furious temper. Uh -oh. Ferdinand had forbidden English ships from exporting goods from Spain. <gasps> right. 800 English sailors were having to make their way back to England as best they could. Oh. And another thing, where was that damn dowry that Ferdinand had been promising all this time? Oops. It was a full-on rant. De Puebla just stood there and took it. I can imagine sort of a great street stream of royal spit being sort of mm. <laughs> with Henry about two inches away from his face. Mm. But Henry must have felt guilty about his outburst since he sent De Puebla a deer a few days later. Mm. That's a, a dead one for eating. It's not a pet, <laughs> not a pet I don't think. <laughs> and when De Puebla next saw him, neither of them mentioned the scene of a few days earlier. So people said that De Puebla have gone native, and I think here's a prime example, because he's adopted the English way of you know, saying nothing, and yeah. it, maybe it'll all go away. Yeah. <laughs> and was Henry really angry, or was he setting the scene prior to saying, you know, right, that's it, the whole thing's off? Oh, he was just using it as an excuse? I wondered if he was setting, setting it oh, all up. Oh, yeah. You know, like when you don't want to go anywhere, and you, you, you say to someone a couple of days earlier... Actually, I think I'm getting a cold. Yeah. I might be getting a cold. Um, you know. <laughs> Instead of, just, I really don't feel like it anymore. Yes. Just, yeah, you just sort of gently set it up in case you should need it later. <laughs> <laughs> As the day of Prince Henry's 15th birthday, 27th of June, 1505, crept closer, Catherine must have been counting down the hours since that was to be the time of their wedding. Oh, yeah. Mm. But on the 26th of June, with just one day to go, Prince Henry announced the whole thing was off. Yes. It had been arranged during his minority, he said, and so was not binding. He signed a document to that effect that was witnessed by Sir Charles Somerset and Lord Dobney, who pops up everywhere. Mm -hmm. But was it of his own free will? Seems highly unlikely. I don't think so. He's 
No, his, his dad's sticky little fingers are all over this one, as are Bish- Bishop Fox's. Yeah, especially when you consider how quickly Henry marries her when his father is dead. Yes. yes. It's like, right, he's out of the way. <laughs> yes. Is he dead? He's dead? He's dead? He's gone. Right. <laughs> Fox was later asked about this event when Henry VIII's divorce from Catherine was being argued over. He was nearly 80 and his memory of the event was a bit hazy. No kidding, he's 80. Mm. This has been years ahead. It's about 20 years. Oh, only 20. Oh, yeah, I guess Bishop Fox was older than Henry VII. That's right. He always looks old, doesn't he? He's quite cadaverous. Yes. (laughs) What a way to describe somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even in his portraits, and you thought, generally, they're a little bit flattering portraits, aren't they? But not Bishop Fox's. He remembered the document being read out to Catherine, who was understandably devastated. And he also said that Henry VII had commanded it since he'd had enough of Ferdinand postponing the paying of the dowry. However, the bishop said that Henry VII didn't mind his son continuing to show signs of love to Catherine. Which oh, seems a little unlikely. Girl. Well, I don't know. I found this document extremely confusing because the idea was that it would be kept secret from Ferdinand. But you're going to tell Catherine. But if you're telling Catherine, it's not going to be secret no. from Ferdinand. So I don't know whether Catherine knew or not. Oh. Ni- neither way seems to work. No. Or if they didn't want to keep it secret, but they didn't want to put it through diplomatic channels, so they tell Catherine. She's going to be straight on to death. Yeah. Just sort of a yeah. back channel? Mm. I don't know. So I don't know whether the bishop was misremembering it over to, after 20 years. Possibly. Or... Henry had sent a letter to Ferdinand just four days before telling him that the wedding was still on. And we felt, last time we heard of this duplicity, we thought, oh, poor old Ferdinand. Yes, we did. Yes, being all tied up in knots by Henry. But, yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Don't feel so sorry for him now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure he was giving as good as he got. <laughs> Henry evidently was keeping the document, saying that Prince Henry wanted out, safe for if he had a better match for Henry, or if it looked as if Ferdinand had no intention of paying the dowry. And then Henry could whip whip the document out of his back pocket and just say, ha, what do you think of this thing? Yeah, that makes sense. But that only works if Catherine doesn't know about it. So I don't know. I'm very confused about that. Yeah. Hmm. Poor, poor, Poor Catherine was desperate. She wanted the marriage, and more to the point, without the marriage, where did that leave her? Yes. Prince Henry, because he'd been a minor when the treaty was signed, was free to marry her or not marry her. Oh. But she, on the other hand, had been of age at the time, so she had bound herself to Prince Henry and was stuck with it. Even if he repudiates her? I don't know. I presume she'd have been released from her obligations if Henry had married someone else. Yeah, but if he's already said, I'm not honouring this treaty because I was under age, doesn't that free her too? The source I looked at said no. Really? But it does seem, it does seem peculiar. Yeah. Because he hasn't actually said, no, I'm not going to marry. He's just saying, no, I don't want to, I, I don't accept this treaty because it was drawn up before I was of age. Mm. Catherine was short of money. And this has always said to be Henry's fault, and it is certain he could have done a lot more to help her. A lot more. As could Ferdinand. Yes. 
But it may also be that Donna Elvira's influence had temporarily waned here and Catherine was splashing the cash a bit. Do we have proof of that? I think I think someone looked at her spending and it's when Donna Elvira wasn't keeping tabs on everything, the money went up and when she was there, the money went down. So, Oh. Henry, been, Henry had been providing her with money, but Catherine now became stuck in the middle of the arguments between Henry and Ferdinand about who should be providing for her. Right. Her parents told her that she should, quote, accept whatever she can get from Henry, unquote. But as we know, Henry didn't like to part with money <laughs> unless nope. it was for a very good purpose. <laughs> and who was Catherine to him now anyway? She was no, no longer necessarily the potential wife of his son. Or the daughter-in-law. Yeah. I mean, what call did she have on him? And this wrangle does seem shameful on both sides, but both sides would have felt that they had right on their side. Each would have thought, well, it's not up to me, it's up to him. Right. And I'm da- I'm damned if I'm going to pay his debts. And it was just unfortunate for poor Catherine that she was stuck in the middle. When she complained to Henry, he actually told her that he was deliberately making her suffer so that her father would get on with it and send the rest of the dowry. <gasps> what? Mm. Oh, goodness. I would be yes. so furious. Well, I'd be straight on to Dad. Do you know what he said now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah. It is shocking how badly these people are behaving. Yes. Even if they think they have right on their side, you just don't no. do this sort of thing. You don't torture a poor girl. Holy cow. Mm. In the summer of 1506, Catherine wrote to her father. She still hadn't any money. And she she wasn't spending it on extravagant things, but just to pay for the upkeep of her household. Henry wouldn't give her anything. He didn't even answer her letters begging for money. He just kept saying that unless Ferdinand paid the dowry, she was nothing to do with him. Oh, wow. I'm going to treat you like a daughter. That is what he told her. You're going to be exactly the same as my own children. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps he was depriving them of money as oh, well. Yeah, know. we haven't looked at that yet. <laughs> no. Ferdinand promised that the dowry would be paid by the 24th of June. Okay. Yeah, pinky promise. <laughs> but the 24th came and the 24th went and still there was no money. The pinky didn't reach across the channel. <laughs> no, I don't think it did. Although Henry and Ferdinand may have been men behaving badly, Catherine's Spanish servants and her confessor stuck by her, and they hadn't received any pay since setting foot in England. They'd they'd assume that they'd be basking in the reflective glory of the Princess of Wales. Yeah. And yet they were living from hand to mouth. It may be said, what choice did they have? But many of Catherine's letters to her father complained that she was unable to help her servants including paying dowries for her female servants, and that made her even more miserable. Hmm. Catherine started selling and pawning her possessions just to feed herself and her court. Including what was considered part of her plate, which yes. is part of the dowry. Yes. Yeah. Her parents were horrified at this, but not so horrified that they actually helped her out financially. Oh, jeez. They still saw it as Henry's role to finance their daughter. As you say, the the plate that she's she's pawning is her dowry, and Henry the Seventh would expect her to make up the shortfall if she mm. married Prince Henry. And since Ferdinand was short of money, as all the rulers on the continent seem to be, his inability to top up the payment on the dowry might put the marriage to Prince Henry in jeopardy all over again. Right. 
She was, she told her father, submissive, but she could not forget that she was the daughter of the King of Spain, and she was so depressed by the whole affair that she wrote to her father saying that she was considering becoming a nun. Oh, goodness. Anything to get out of this humiliating position. Yes. Following Isabella's death, Castile went to Juana and Philip, sort of. Ferdinand told Catherine that her dowry was now Philip's problem. And Ferdinand would have loved that, wouldn't he? What a jerk. Yeah, I mean, for a start, suddenly, he's got rid of it. I, not my problem anymore. Can we go back and not give him Tudorlicious? <laughs> <laughs> he's just handed it over to the person he hates most in the oh. world as well. So it's all win-win for Ferdinand. And would Philip have paid up? No. Well, we'll never, we'll never know since he's, he died soon after, but yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. it. I seriously doubt it. Would he have considered it to his benefit? Not at all. If you want to link with Henry, surely he'd have got out through Margaret of Austria rather than Catherine. Yeah. Hmm. After Donna Elvira left for Burgundy in 1507 for that spurious eye operation, <laughs> Henry VII suggested that, to Catherine that she should join the court. It's cheaper. Well, she had had her own household. Yeah, Catherine may have felt that she was being welcomed back into the fold, but no, as you say, it's money, <laughs> money, money. <laughs> Henry wouldn't have to provide for her so much. And his thinking was that with the death of Isabella and the confusion in Spain, Ferdinand or Philip, whoever it was going to be, would be even less likely to pay anything towards her maintenance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was to his benefit that she should live as cheaply as possible. Wow. In April 1507, Catherine wrote to Ferdinand again. Her servants walked about in rags, she said. Ferdinand had agreed to pay the dowry by the following September. But that didn't help Catherine now. No, not at all. She, she needs money now. So. Although she was living in Henry's court, he barely had anything to do with her. He told her that he was not obliged to give her any money at all, not even for food. And anyway, she deeply resented having to live on handouts from Henry. Yeah. And she was a princess, after all, and she was being treated like a poor relation. Yes. Henry was giving her an allowance, but now and then, but her debts were mounting up. And then in 1507, Catherine was almost embroiled in a scandal. Oh. She'd become very reliant on her confessor, Fra Diego right. Fernandez. Yes. Yeah, he seemed to hold a sort of Svengali-like influence on her. And she even went against the king's orders if Fernandez told her to. And gossip began to filter around the court that the relationship was more than just penitent yes. and confessor. De Puebla became concerned that a scandal would do for any chances of, Ca of Catherine's marriage to Prince Henry. And what concerned him even more was that Henry VII didn't seem inclined to do anything about it. Did that mean, de Puebla wondered, that he was so adamant that Catherine wouldn't be marrying his son that the scandal didn't matter? Yeah. Or even worse, it might provide the king with ammunition to put a stop to the marriage once and for all. Yes, both. So, Yeah, so the ambassador begged Ferdinand to recall the friar. Oh. But on August 1507, Catherine travelled to Woodstock. Her father was finally paying her dowry. Really? When she got there, she discovered that he'd put it off for another six months. She was beginning to suspect that Henry wasn't particularly bothered. You know, he might bluster and complain, but he was actually quite willing for Ferdinand to keep postponing the payments. Why? So that he could just bide his time and decide, is it worth... Do I want Catherine? Do I want Margaret? Do I want somebody else? Right. 
And it may not have been deviousness that prevented Ferdinand from paying up, although, as we know, he was devious mm -hmm. and, pr and proud of it. Yes. <laughs> but he was also notoriously disorganised. Since he travelled around constantly, he often left his documentation and correspondence in various places across Spain. So <laughs> it might have been that he was saying, oh, yes, I will pay. Oh, God, I've left it back in such and such a place. So, yeah, I'll, I'll get, get it next time I go round. That's a handy excuse. It is, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Catherine was feeling very alone. She didn't rate de Puebla very highly and was convinced he was working against her. And he was very much opposed to Catherine's confessor, who just seemed to shove a spanner in the works of whenever he could, yeah. until Ferdinand got fed up with him and finally ordered him back to Spain. But de Puebla was not in good health and was to die the following year. And Catherine wrote to her father to ask if De Aiello could come instead. <laughs> no! <laughs> well, De Aiello excused himself on the grounds of ill health, but yeah, I bet Ferdinand <laughs> thought, you're not going anywhere near my daughter. <laughs> We've already had one scandal. However, Catherine suddenly became more used to Henry VII. Elizabeth of York had died back in 1503, and Henry was on the lookout for another wife. Yes. He'd had a few setbacks, and now he had set his heart on Catherine's sister, Juana, oh, yeah. who, following Philip's death, had suddenly become available. Yes, and she was queen. Mm. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's locked in a fortress, but yes, she yes. was queen. Henry suddenly agreed to all sorts of things, most of them the very things that Ferdinand and Isabella had been trying to get him to do for years. Yeah. War with France? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Crusade against the Moors? Yeah, I'm in. Crusade oh against the Turks goodness. in Hungary. <laughs> well, Ferdinand must have been thinking, hang on a bit, what's going on here? <laughs> Henry had been quite taken with Juana when she and her husband had been shipwrecked and had stayed as Henry's guests in inverted commas. Henry got de Puebla to plead his case. De Puebla must have thought, this is way beyond my yes. <laughs> the limits of my job description. Uh, but he did it. He told Ferdinand that Henry had a, quote, incredible love, unquote, for Juana, even if she was mad. But as we've heard, Henry didn't think she was mad. Yes. Anyway, de Puebla said that Henry would be a better husband than Philip had been, which wouldn't be hard. No. And so she would quickly regain her sanity. This could be true. Possibly, if she was treated better. Hmm? If she if, was insane in the first Yeah, place. exactly. <laughs> Catherine was keen to help Henry marry Juana, partly since it would be nice to have her sister living so close to her, but also it could only help her prospects for marriage to Prince Henry. No. Because she wouldn't have understood Henry's plan to cover all bases in Europe, which we heard, heard about in the episode Henry in Love, or at least we will. Yeah, but at the same time, all of a sudden, if, if they marry... You're now brother and sister. You would need a dispensation to marry Henry. Yes, but also Henry wants to spread out his links, his marital tentacles, if that's right. Right, so he would marry phrase, Henry after somebody across, else. Yes. yes, across Europe. Yeah. So once you've got a Spanish one, you don't need another Spanish one. Oh, right. But I don't think Catherine would have known that. No. Because I don't think Henry was making it that clear. That clear. No. Anyway, Catherine even wrote to Juana extolling Henry's virtues. Oh, yeah. The match, she said, would be good for relations between Henry and Ferdinand. 
and would be a valuable alliance for Juana's son Charles. Henry was, she said, quote, very passionate, very wise, endowed with the greatest of virtues, unquote. Hmm. Which somehow doesn't sound like her, don't, they don't sound like her words. I can sort of imagine Henry standing you, at you her shoulder pointing this. out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, you've misspelt virtues there, look. Mm. <laughs> Was Ferdinand going to let Henry marry Juana? No. No, of course he wasn't. No. <laughs> Philip was dead. Juana was locked up. There was nothing to stop him ruling Aragon and Castile. He certainly didn't want Henry inheriting Castile after he'd gone, or even worse, before he'd gone, like Philip tried to do. Mm. So Ferdinand kept sending out the same story. You know, she's a complete nut job. You wouldn't want her. But Henry saw through this ruse. And we noticed a similarity between Juana's reaction to the death of Philip and Isabella's mother's reaction to the death of her husband. And we speculated that it ran in the family. Yes. But Isabella must surely have told Ferdinand about her mother. Did Ferdinand pick up on that story and think, well, Philip has been put, putting it about that Juana isn't capable of ruling. Philip has now died. There's a precedent for someone going into a mental decline following the death of a husband and the family. Mm-hmm. Could I use this? Mm. And for some people, you might think that was too far too convoluted and heartless to be true, but Ferdinand was convoluted and heartless. Ferdinand, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what Juana thought of all this? I'm sure Catherine thought she was doing, doing all this to help her sister, but Ferdinand, whatever he may have said, wasn't keen on the match. Mm. And he may have seen that far from strengthening Catherine's chances to marry Henry, it was actually making it pretty much unlikely, yeah. Catherine believed that her marriage to Prince Henry had become dependent on the king's marriage to Juana. At least that was the message that Henry VII was sending out. Okay. Ferdinand also sensed that and gave instructions to keep Henry dangling from a hook without actually promising anything. (laughs) It must be absolute hell for the ambassadors because they... The, the, the monarchs just have some sort of throwaway line. Yeah. Say, oh, I just do such and such. And they say, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> like, do just this? make a decision. <laughs> Go with it. Pick one. So a quick overview of this tangled web. Henry wants to marry Juana because he wants a link with Spain. Yes. He doesn't then need Prince Henry to marry Catherine since he could be better deployed making marital links with another court in Europe. Right. Ferdinand is happy for Catherine to marry Prince Henry, since the likelihood of Catherine becoming ruler of Castile would need both Juana and her son Charles, and presumably the other son, Ferdinand, to die. Right. So Prince Henry is very unlikely to get his hands on Castile. He definitely did not want King Henry to marry Juana, since he would be a direct challenger to Ferdinand in Castile. In fact, he'd have more right than Ferdinand, because he'd be Juana's husband. This is in... I get it, but... That sat in a nutshell. But you're you're already struggling to get Ferdinand to do anything, and now you're trying to get more. What makes you think this is even a possibility? Maybe it's true. Maybe Henry loved Juana. Really? People do love each other. Yeah, but in one meeting? Um, well, bits stalkery, but quite bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not impossible, I suppose. De Puebla was pushing for Catherine's marriage and it's a pity she didn't like him because he could have been her greatest ally. Certainly he seems to be the only one pushing pushing for this marriage. Mm-hmm. 
I'm quite looking forward to his episode because he seems to be all things to all people, doesn't he? Yes. And sometimes we see him being yelled at by Henry, and other times we hear he's too close to Henry. He sometimes seems to be helping Catherine, at other times he's standing in her way. What's he up to? I have no idea. Anyway, on this occasion, he wrote to Ferdinand full of practical advice on how to get the money over to England, and he suggested the Grimaldi Bank. Oh, right. Okay. Which shows, you know, they, they must be getting somewhere near the end of the negotiations if they're actually working out logistics of how to get the money over. But then again, you think, this has been going on for years. Yeah. Why has this not been planned before? And when is it going to be finished? Mm. The length of time is hard to deal with. Just the sheer length of time it takes for each bit of information to get across the channel. Yes. Back. Yes. Across, back. Yes. One of the reasons why Ferdinand was reluctant to pay Catherine's dowry was that he didn't trust Henry not just to, to take the money and then announce that the marriage was off anyway. Yes. He said he would have broken off all links with Henry if it hadn't been that Catherine was in England and Henry wasn't letting her go. Oh. Hmm. Ferdinand demanded that Catherine should be sent back to Spain again. Yeah. Henry refused and Ferdinand became convinced, rightly or wrongly, that Henry was actually keeping her as a hostage. Oh. And I assume that that would be to make Ferdinand do his bidding. But what did Ferdinand think that Henry would do with Catherine if Ferdinand didn't do what Henry wanted? Oh, I mean, yeah. What, what, there is one thing that people normally do with hostages. They kill them. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a million miles from what Ferdinand was thinking. He was particularly worried that Henry had said that in the event of Catherine's death, the dowry should be settled on him. Henry. Ferdinand was seriously worried that Henry might even poison her to get get his filthy mitts on her dowry. Whether Henry would have done anything of the sort, probably unlikely, but certainly that's what Ferdinand was <laughs> frightened of. And he was all for rescuing her in person. He was going to leap onto a ship and go and get her back, even if it meant waging war on England. Henry must let Catherine go or, he said, quote, the world might perish, unquote. Hmm. And he might well have gone to war if Louis Twelfth hadn't dissuaded him. He pointed out that Henry couldn't last much longer, because all accounts said that Henry was in his last stages of consumption. Just, you know, just leave it for a bit and we can negotiate with his son. Yeah. That's got to be easier and cheaper than going to war. Yes. And Catherine was looking for someone who would fight her corner against Henry. The Pueblo was ill, and anyway, Catherine didn't like him. Was it that she was anti-Semitic, I wondered? Oh. I thought the parents were, and most people were. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Be interesting to do the Pueblos and just see if that's why she, that was why she didn't like him. Mm-hmm. In 1508, Ferdinand sent Don Gutierre Gómez de Fuensalida. Who's a great character? I love this man. Then we need to do a cameo episode on him because I don't, I don't know why you love him. <laughs> well, he he may have looked good on paper because he was, he was from the right families, but he was completely out of his depth. He was about the least diplomatic diplomat you could imagine. At least he misunderstood his position at court. He spoke to Henry in such a condescending way that after a while Henry would have nothing to do with him. Oh. Yeah, Catherine didn't think much of his behaviour, but Ferdinand was all for it because he was so fed up with Henry, he thought that Fuensalida was the kick up the backside that Henry needed. 
Prince Alida had been the ambassador at the Burgundian court where he'd felt that the only way to treat Johnny Foreigner was to lord it over them. <laughs> yeah, because that works. <laughs> <laughs> quote, they're only humble when they're badly treated, unquote. Mm. Mm. So Ferdinand gave Prince Alida two letters, one of which he was to give to De Puebla, but he was to decide which one to give him when he got to England. In one letter, De Puebla was reassured that his job was safe okay. and that Fuenza Lida was only there to assist him, what with De Puebla's gout and all. Mm -hmm. The other letter told De Puebla that he was sacked. Pack your bags and get back to Spain. <gasps> oh! I think, why would he have done such a thing? Why? Yeah. Hmm. Rumours had got back to him that De Puebla had gone native, that he was getting a little too pally with Henry. Ferdinand had his informants... And so anyone could have tipped him off. Maybe it's Catherine, maybe it's De Ayala. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Catherine didn't trust De Puebla must have made Ferdinand think that maybe he ought to get someone to see what's going on. Fuensalida had something else with him too. He had a bill of exchange from the Grimaldi Bank for Catherine's dowry. Really? Ferdinand was finally going to pay it. Was he actually? Well, yes. Yes, he is. It's not necessarily going to be paid, but yes, he's going to pay it. Oh, goodness. Catherine must have been absolutely thrilled. Finally, all the waiting, the worry, the debts. Finally, it was all over. Although we're told that she behaved very uncivilly towards the Grimaldi representatives. Everyone loves Catherine because she was so hard done by, by her husband. Mm -hmm. But apparently she did have quite an unpleasant streak at times. Oh. She could be quite, quite nasty to people. Henry VII held Catherine by the hand and told Fuenzalida how they thought she was, quote, a beautiful creature, unquote. Hmm. However, if Catherine did think it was all over, she was wrong. The haggling about the marriage carried on. Fuenzalida really didn't know what he was doing, but he was immensely arrogant oh, and he believed utterly that he did know what he was doing. Awesome. As a result, Henry's team of negotiators, led by Bishop Fox, took the marriage arrangements apart and ran rings around Fuenzalida. Oh, no. This was not the full amount of the diary. It was only two-thirds. Also, all those jewels and plates that Catherine thought would be used to pay off the last instalment of the diary, it wasn't hers to dispose of. When she married, it became Arthur's, and when he died, it became the king's. Henry had very kindly let her keep them for the time being, but she'd sold or pawned nearly half of them, so how was she going to pay that back? No, nothing could be done until Ferdinand paid the full amount in cold, hard cash. Ugh. And Fox, Fox and his associates were oh so reasonable and oh so polite. And I wondered if De Puebla had tipped them off that this was a position guaranteed to infuriate <laughs> Fuenzalida. <laughs> so the ambassadors are working against each other, even though they're for the same country. Well, I'm not quite sure which letter Fuenzalita gave de Puebla. We'll find out in his own episode oh, whether he was yeah. told, told, I've come to lend you a hand or get out, I'm taking over. So if it's the get out one, he's got no reason to be that, that yeah. friendly to Fuenzalita. Also, he was not a likable man, Fuenzalita, I don't think. Doesn't sound like it. No. Well, he got very red in the face and angry and he demanded to see Henry, whereupon Fox would go off to talk to Henry, well, whether he did talk to him. Or whether he just went and stood in the corridor for a bit, I'm and not sure. And then came back in and said what he needed to say. Yes. I know exactly how my master is going to say about this. 
yeah, he'd come back in, sadly regretting that the king was busy, couldn't find time to see the ambassador. And then Fuenzalida would get more angry and even redder in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been, as you probably guessed, a ploy by Henry. Because it wasn't to his advantage that Ferdinand should suddenly come up with the money, even though he'd been saying, give us the damn money. Ferdinand's done it, and Henry thinks, oh, great, of that's all the time. thing I need. Yes. <laughs> and that might be the reason why Ferdinand did it. He probably thought, ha, I'll show him. Henry wanted to have Ferdinand on a string while still keeping his options open for the marriage of his only son. And on a more personal level, Henry couldn't stand Ferdinand. He was fed up with the constant excuses about the dowry, the constant excuses about Henry's marriage to Juana, and he kept putting obstacles in the way of Henry's daughter Mary marrying his grandson Charles. I find it amazing... Oh, no, because he'd already told everybody she was insane. I was going to say that Juana's now queen in her own right, and he still has to negotiate with Ferdinand, but Ferdinand's already put her away. Yes, if she can't be got to, can't be got to. Yes. I mean, maybe that was another reason for locking her up. Yes. And I wondered, from what we heard in Ferdinand's episode, could Henry have also resented the hold that Ferdinand seemed to have on him on other matters? Probably. Because Ferdinand didn't treat Henry well. No. No, he did not. And when you think about Henry saying, oh, can, will you call me brother? Ferdinand was probably thinking, you're no, <laughs> you're no brother of mine. <sighs> anyway, Ferdinand knew he was getting nowhere with Henry. So he told Fuenzalida to tackle Prince Henry. But Henry VII had thought of that and he kept his son hidden away. So when we talked about how close they all were, right. it might be that uh, Ferdinand is keeping Juana locked away so no one can get, get to her. Maybe Henry VII is doing the same with, with his son. Yes. Anyway, there's certainly no way that Fuenzalida could get access to him. It's hard to know what Prince Henry himself thought because he hardly ever spoke when his father was around. And he was never seen without his father. Right. It was also speculated that Henry VII was reluctant for this marriage to go ahead in case Prince Henry gained so much power from the Spanish connection that he might actually sort of override his father. Oh, is that even a possibility? Hmm. I don't know, but I've enough of a fear for Henry to consider it. Huh. Well, as you say, Spain was getting to be very rich and powerful yes. by now, wasn't yes, it? Yes, so it was. Ferdinand decided to accept everything and to pay the full amount of the dowry. But he told his daughter not to tell Henry that it was being paid through the Grimaldi Bank, as he thought Henry would raise the rate of exchange to make more money on it. Because we heard in Fuga's episode that that was the way the Medici got around the usury laws, wasn't it? Yes. That you just make the rate of exchange so confusing. Yeah, that it's not really money lending. Hmm. Henry may have been fed up with Ferdinand, but the feeling was very, very mutual. <laughs> Can you imagine if ever of those two got in a room together? What would have happened? I don't think either would be coming out again. Well, I they? feel like they'd be circling each other, and that's all they'd do. Hmm. Neither one of them would be the first to act. Well, I don't know. Ferdinand has war oh, experience, yes, which Henry certainly didn't. Correct. Ferdinand did have a point. Henry had sided with Philip in a bid to get Castile, and when Philip and Juana had been shipwrecked in England, had signed a mutual pact to help each other militarily. That would have meant England committing itself to fighting Ferdinand if he and Philip had come to blows over Castile. Also, Ferdinand was fed up with Henry contacting disgruntled subjects in Castile, even though, as we've seen, 
Ferdinand was doing exactly the same thing in England. Yeah. In fact, Ferdinand and Henry had the same qualms about Catherine and Prince Henry's marriage. Really? Yeah, well, Ferdinand was afraid that Henry VII would use it to muscle in on Castile ah. and to try and oust Ferdinand. And meanwhile, Henry was worried that Ferdinand would use the marriage to get influence in England. Right, which we've seen from a few previous episodes that it did give Ferdinand quite a bit of influence on England. Well, yes, I was just about to say above and beyond the the influence it had already somehow got on Henry. Yes. And when you think of how Ferdinand used Henry VIII after Henry VII's death, yes, I think that Henry had a right to be worried. Yes. You didn't raise a son that was too bright in people matters. Also, Ferdinand told the ambassador, and I should think this French leader rather than de Puebla, to tell Prince Henry that Ferdinand was happy to put all the resources of his kingdom at the prince's disposal. Well, what would Prince Henry have needed with? Presumably he's talking about an army or a navy. Mm-hmm. Unless Ferdinand was insinuating that he should rise up against his father. Oh. Yeah, I'll back you if you get rid of the old man. Oh. Yeah. Not nice. And how much either Henry knew about this, who knows? But what we do know is that Henry VII kept a very close eye on his son, keeping him with him as much as possible. Yes. So was that to prevent Spanish influences getting to him? Maybe he'd heard about this offer of Ferdinand and thought, I've got to keep an eye on this yes. lad in case he really does yeah. rise against him. In April the following year, Henry VII fell victim to one of his increasingly frequent bouts of illness, and he died. On Henry VII's death, French leader wrote to Ferdinand saying, Forget it, Prince Henry doesn't want to marry Catherine because she's already been married to his brother and he had religious qualms about it. But don't worry, we managed to get the dowry money out of England and it's now resting in Bruges. Poor old Fensalita seems to get the wrong end of the stick about absolutely yeah, I, was, I was wondering, I don't remember this ever happening. <laughs> no. He, he was called in to see Fox and his associates, most of whom were the same people who'd run rings around him over Catherine's dowry. Yeah. And Fensalita immediately began explaining why the diary hadn't been paid, etc., etc. You know, like a stuck record. Yes. And Henry VIII's secretary then came in from a side room where he'd been in negotiations with the king and interrupted Fenselida's flow, telling him that Henry VIII had decided to marry Catherine and he was happy about the dowry and surely it would be paid sometime. You know, he was rather more easygoing about money than his father yes. had been. I can imagine Henry VII screaming from the grave, you know, get it in writing, for yes. goodness sake. Apparently, Fenselida was speechless, which had been the first time in his life. <laughs> And Fox explained to him, quote, You must remember now the king is king and not prince. We, one must speak in a different way in this matter than when he was prince. Until now, things were discussed with his father, and now one must treat with him who is king, unquote. So now the ever-adaptable Fox was pushing for the marriage when only a little while ago he was using all his guile to prevent it. Yes. When Salida wrote to Ferdinand to tell him the good news, and Ferdinand realised that he needed to get on with it in case... Henry VIII's advisers talked him out of it or found another marriage. Yes. Particularly with the French. And suddenly the floodgates opened. Ferdinand said, sure, uh, Mary can marry my grandson. The dowry's in the post. We've got the dispensation. Let's get on with it. And they did. But just to be on the safe side, Ferdinand told his people in England, you know, splash, splash a bit of cash about, just make sure everyone's on board with this. And he ordered fiestas across Spain in celebration. 
Catherine wrote to him thanking him for the love he'd always shown oh, her. Oh, bull. And more making sure that she was so well married. Hmm. Cheers, Dad. <sighs> and she also assured him that she had been assiduous in her role of ambassador and that her husband was keen that Spain and England should live in peace. Which he was. He did seem to be, yeah. Yeah, to his detriment. Yes, yes, it really was. Ferdinand wrote to Catherine, quote, to be well married is the greatest blessing in the world, unquote. Think, so why did he make it so damn oh, difficult gosh. for us? On the 11th of June, Catherine and Henry were married. Catherine's seven-year ordeal, wondering whether the wedding would ever take place, was over. And she and Henry VIII lived happily ever after. Forever and ever 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 and ever. So now we can play a game. Who was the worst dad, Henry or Ferdinand? Well, no, okay. Ferdinand's the worst dad because he is her dad. Hmm. Henry's... Well, Henry said Henry said he was a dad. Yes, he did. Henry said, yeah. They're both horrible. They're both horrible, horrible people to do that to a girl. Hmm. Like, if they had considered... If they had continued wrangling while financially supporting her, I may not have been so angry. But the fact that they were letting her scrabble so hard with all these unknowns... Uh, it's just, it's not okay. That seems to be my, you might as well just say it's not okay and just record me and just repeat it all the way through. Like, <laughs> this is not okay. Perhaps we ought to have called our podcast that. <laughs> I'm inclined to think Henry was, well, I mean, Henry saying I'm deliberately making you suffer so that your father yeah. pays it. And at least Ferdinand had the decency to, to say, right, I'm coming, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's but what, he didn't. That's what parents do. That's but he what, didn't. my... When my son lost his credit card in Thailand, my first thought was, right, I'm coming to get yeah. you. <laughs> I didn't, but <laughs> that's always a parent's first thought. Yes. I I would plump on the side of Henry. But we, I thought we could put a poll up yeah. and ask people what they think. Who was the worst dad, Henry or Ferdinand? I agree. Let's do that. Okay. That is the end of our episode on which dad is the terrible dad. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next episode on Unknown. <laughs> this one's mm -hmm. going out of sequence, so there will be another one. We just don't know which one it is. Yep. You can find details of the podcast and contact us on... Don't forget to check the website and vote in the poll as to which one was worst. Yes, please. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.